Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, the console wars get heavier as Microsoft buys Bethesda. Just how good is the console wars on CBS All Access? And will John Cena wipe out as Peacemaker. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows, and if you can, please give us that five. Star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do to support us, throw out some of those Facebook gaming stars at us. It is truly appreciated. Well, no Josh again this week. He's probably relaxing somewhere in the middle of Texas. So I wish him well as always. But sitting in the big chair again with me this week is my good friend, he is the man behind Castle Creative. You got to go ahead and check out everything that he's doing today at Castle Creative. It is Marcus Taylor Garza. And Marcus, before we get into everything that's going on within the realm of pop culture, why don't you go ahead and just give me the lowdown on what you're up to in your world. Thank you for that, Gerald. And thank you to the PCC family for having me back again. Well, it um, might I be do... a longer stay than you think, my friend, because we're trying to work on some stuff to keep you here for a while. We we are we're we're working behind the scenes to see if I can stay around for a little bit, and I think I am. Uh, I'll I'll tell everyone right now. I think I am. <laughs> well, we, we're glad but, to have you here, and we truly appreciate everything that you've done for us. And I I, I can't thank you guys enough for for the same. Uh, you guys have done wonderful things for us in the past, and I can't thank you enough for the support you gave to our show a couple of years ago and everything you did there. But I do want to take a second. I'm on Twitter, Castle FPV. That's K A S T L E F P V. And you'll find me there. I'm actually officially off Instagram for at least the next six weeks. I'm taking part in a paid study. So uh, you'll have my undivided attention on Twitter from here on out. K-A-S-T-L-E-F-P-V. So reach me there. I'll interact with anybody and everybody. Let's go. I'll talk about anything. There you go. Got to check that out. Check out Marcus Garza's Twitter out there and go ahead and uh, give him a big shout out from all of us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We've got a lot to talk about today, including No Man's Sky getting a huge update. Is it enough to get you back into the game or get you into the game for the first time? 
We're going to go ahead and talk about that coming up. Console Wars, the documentary just debuted this week on CBS All Access. I'm going to go ahead and share my thoughts on it because I've seen it. Plus, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a heads up out there that are listening to us right here at the PC Multiverse. On next week's show, I'm going to have an interview with the directors of the Console Wars documentary. I'm going to have an interview with Blake J. Harris and Jonah Tullis. Just cannot wait to go ahead and speak to both of them. Plus, also as well, we're going to be talking about John Cena, as my daughter would say. His career is going in a different direction away from pro wrestling. We're going to go ahead and talk about that coming up later in the program. WandaVision has a new trailer, plus Disney makes some major movie changes. We'll discuss that as well. Rest in peace to Road Warrior Animal. We'll talk about his career coming up later in the program. And speaking of rest in peace, we may be soon saying that for big fans out there of the Sizzler's restaurant. So I have some fond memories of Sizzler, and actually Marcus does as well, and we'll go ahead and end the show with that. But first, my friend, the big news, Xbox decided to go on a little bit of a shopping spree. And they did say no to TikTok, but they did say yes to Bethesda in a clear move to try and advance themselves in this coming generation. This is one of the biggest major first steps that we've seen as far as a a preemptive strike, so to speak, on the verge of a new generation that we've ever seen. So I want to hear your thoughts on Xbox buying Bethesda. All right. So Satya Nadella actually said, you can't just wake up and decide you want to build a game studio tomorrow and turn around and bought Bethesda as well as their parent company, ZeniMax. It was kind of exciting to see that. And I think this is the first shot in the modern console wars. And I I think you, you would probably agree with me there, wouldn't you, Gerald? Absolutely. I mean, there are other targets being talked about. Sega is being heavily rumored as far as being bought out by Microsoft. Microsoft has said at the Tokyo Game Show, which is taking place this weekend, that they're not going to make any major announcements of any other acquisitions, but Sega and some other mid-level companies now are being targeted possibly by Sony, Nintendo, and Xbox for future acquisitions because Xbox, I think, once and for all, is finally putting its foot down and saying, you know what, we're getting tired of being number three in the console race. And this upcoming console generation, we have a fresh start. We know PlayStation 4 kicked our butts, but this time around, we want to make it a different choice for consumers by becoming the place that RPG makers like Obsidian, you know, obviously everything that Bethesda puts out there and all the other game companies that they've either acquired or developed on their own, So you have so many different RPGs that are going to be a part of the Xbox mix going forward. But the question is, my friend, as what was stated in several news conferences over the course of the past week and interviews and things of that nature, Xbox has said it's going to be on a case-by-case basis on exclusivity for their future games. Speculate to me which games you think will become an Xbox exclusive. I actually don't know off the top of my head what they're aiming at yet, but I will say that this is going to be a a major impact in the console war for this generation. Just buying Bethesda and ZeniMax in a period is going to have a major impact on the PS5 sales, maybe not immediately, but long-term. We're seeing the consumption of one of the best RPG makers out there, uh, I I would contend, and they've slacked in the last few years. 
the tail end of the most recent generation of consoles has suffered. Dishonored didn't do well. Fallout 76 didn't do well. And that might be part of the reasoning behind going ahead and being bought out by Microsoft. That might have been part of the reasons why. Had Fallout 76 been a humongous hit, had Dishonored been a pretty big hit, you know, the only thing that we can rebut is Doom. The latest uh, iteration of Doom is the only thing that's either done well critically or done well financially here in the past few years. ESO has been a mainstay, but... I don't think it's been to the point where they really wanted to go ahead and market that as the preeminent online game or online experience because it hasn't been. They've been overshadowed by several other games, Fortnite, you know, PUBG, you know, the list goes on and on, Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. You know, Absolutely. those, you know, th- there's been a lot of experiences there that are better than or been more popular, but ESO has been a mainstay and that is staying multi-platform going forward. But I think they're going to pick and choose which games. That's our only guarantee moving forward, I think. Right? That's your only guarantee as of now. I can pretty much tell you that Elder Scrolls Six would not be in their best interest if they made that exclusive because they would be selling themselves out a lot of money. But then again, if they make it exclusive and you want the next Elder Scrolls, you have to go only to Xbox. I don't think they will. I think Elder Scrolls Six will You're be... shutting a whole portion of their fan base yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, with Skyrim being on every single format seemingly over the past 10 years, where you know everywhere they could stick it on, they did. I think Elder Scrolls Six will be a multi-platform game because I think it sold, I think estimates around 35 million units that were sold. So I don't think you would go ahead and, and like you said, cut yourself off from a, a large portion of the marketplace by doing so. But games like Starfield, even Doom, anything mid-level for them or anything that, that hasn't reached out to like an Elder Scrolls huge fan base or has that goodwill, I think that's very much up in play that it could become an exclusive for them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what is going to be exclusive and what's not exclusive. And everything will be coming to Xbox Game Pass. So now anybody who gets an Xbox One or Xbox Series S or X has got to go ahead and get Xbox Games Pass now. Well, and and that's, you know, that's going to further drive that knife home (laughs) in the stab that is the console wars here. You know, if if you can start grabbing some of these titles that are going to bring some of the loyalists in, you're going to start bringing people in, period, to your console. And that's what you need to start doing right now. You need to build the hype. You need to make sure that when you launch, People are ready. People want to have your titles. People want to be on your platform. And I think Microsoft has taken the aggressive first step here in buying Bethesda, Zenimax Media, and making sure that they've got the titles they want for the next generation. I'm in total agreement with you. Uh, And again, if you're makers of Starfield, even Doom, if Dishonored is brought back, any of the library that they have that hasn't hit on a top tier you could become an Xbox exclusive game, in my opinion. It's just the Elder Scrolls series, possibly. You can't even, do that. Yeah, the, you well, can't the make Fallout that exclusive. Series, let me ask you this: Will the Fallout series go exclusive? Because the failure of Fallout seventy six has softened the prominence of Fallout in the eyes of gamers, and now Fallout may be on the downslide. All it takes is, though, is just one good Fallout game and it'll be rising back up. But I want to hear your thoughts on the future of Fallout and could that become an exclusive to Xbox? I don't doubt that it might become a, an exclusive. And simply because 
they took such a loss on 76. Why would you try and make that a multi-platform title? Just release it to the Xbox first, and then, and then if it has some success, maybe you do a remastered version and release it on PS5 a few years later, right? Maybe you do something that opens up to other consoles, or maybe you just stick with your Xbox and have the PC gamers as well and call it quits there. Well, the thing is, when you're talking about exclusivity and non-exclusivity, let's take... Let's, let's just say Elder Scrolls 6. They say, okay, you know yeah. what? In the boardroom, we're going to make it an exclusive title. And the thing is, if they bring out Elder Scrolls one year down the line to PlayStation 5, it's not going to sell well. It's not going to sell. I mean, what was it? Tomb Raider and some other games over the yeah. years have had that one-year exclusivity from one big platform to the other. And every time they finally bring it out to those other platforms – they never get the kind of interest from gamers that they would have had a year ago. So those companies lost yeah. out on the large tier of money. You either go all in on the exclusivity for each of your titles or you don't because the fact is you're going to lose out on a lot of money because these gamers, us gamers, if we, us you know, gamers. Yeah, us gamer. we need to go ahead and have it now in front of our face. And if it's not you know, out of sight, out of mind, a year later on, oh yeah, that game was... You know, 2019, that's great. That's great. But I'm not going to buy it. I got other stuff to do. I've got other stuff to play. We've you know, never had something that was so hyped, though, that came out after the fact. Though, yeah. Uh, but I'm just, I'm like I said, the Tomb Raider, uh, what was it? I don't know. It was the, oh, yeah, 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 Tomb Raider. Sorry, yeah, remember. one of the Tomb Raider games was a one-year exclusive. And by the time it finally came out, even with some hype and even with some advertising and promotion, it didn't really score the kind of sales once it went out to another platform that it would have. And I'm not talking about Nintendo Switch because everything is coming late to Nintendo Switch and it's either going to sell or not sell. But I'm talking about Xbox and PlayStation here. And that's right. just uh, what way the, the landscape of the marketplace currently is. That with Bethesda, they're going to have to go ahead and with Microsoft decide exactly how they want to go about their future going forward. Obviously, the goal is trying to make the Xbox platform the preeminent platform for video games. We got a comment here from Duke Togo 13. Xbox Game Studios are probably going to be the leading Western RPG publishers going through yep. next gen with Fable, Avowed. Avowed from Obsidian looks really good. Avowed looks really good. Elder Scrolls, Starfield, and In Exiles uh, unannounced a AAA RPG. Duke Togo 13, you hit it right in the head. They will be, in this next generation, the leading publisher, Xbox yeah. will, for RPGs. And Xbox series will be the home for RPGs going forward, at least in the foreseeable future, in my opinion, as well. Well, and, and as soon as you pull up Avowed's website right now, I just pulled it up quickly as you were talking about it. They've got Xbox Series X, Game Pass, and Windows PC. Those yeah. are their platforms. Those are the platforms they're sticking to. Have fun. Well, that's well, I mean, that's because it's Obsidian, and the Outer Worlds was such a big hit for them. But they were bought up oh, by Microsoft, yeah. and and their future is, is strong with them. There could even be a possibly even a reimagining or a extension of Fallout New Vegas, since Obsidian and Bethesda are now owned by the same company you could actually see a Fallout New Vegas expanded upon with a new game in that series that could be exclusive to okay. Xbox. I mean, the possibilities are all there. And Xbox, $7.5 billion. That's the thing, though, when we look at it. I mean, we look at what Disney did with the Star Wars acquisition, Disney's acquisitions with Marvel and all the other acquisitions that they made. You look on a case-by-case -case basis, 
did they spend too much here? Did they spend too much there? When it's all said and done, my friend, I want to ask you this. $7.5 billion, do you think it's going to be worth it as far as Xbox buying ZeniMax and, of course, Bethesda? Absolutely. Simply for Elder Scrolls, I think that alone is going to make it worth it, right? Especially if you make that cross-platform like we were just discussing a few minutes ago. If you can make that cross-platform and leave that open to the entire world of the PS5, and even if that's your only one that's cross-platform, why would you not make that cross-platform? That's your money maker. You can almost make 25% back of what you just put into that that purchase price. You would hope, right? I would love to look at the numbers on how well the last Elder Scrolls sold and then look at the numbers on PS5 and figure out if there's any crossover there and figure out how much money we could project that Microsoft might make uh, if they did crossover like that. One last question. Are these big publishers, Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo, done shopping? No. No, 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 not at all. It's going to keep going. We're going to see the consumption of the, the Sega catalog like you were just talking about. And watching the Console Wars documentary, I've only gotten through about half of it. It's fun to see, and it's fun to see the marketing tactics they were using when they initially launched to compete against each other. And it almost feels like we're watching the revitalization of that right now. We're watching not Nintendo and Sega. We're watching Xbox and PlayStation go at it, and they're using the same tactics. A revision of console wars indeed. What are your thoughts out there on Xbox buying Bethesda? Share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts speaking of console wars it is a new documentary that's out on CBS All Access. Just said you got through halfway through it. I've actually seen it all. And I'll tell you what, I am so thrilled to go ahead and tell everybody how good this Console Wars documentary is. If you don't have CBS All Access, get the free trial, buy the subscription, whatever you need to do before it migrates into Paramount Plus at the beginning of the next year because Console Wars is an outstanding documentary detailing exactly what went on between the fight between Sega, Nintendo in regards to the Sega Genesis and the Nintendo Entertainment System. And then later on, the Sony PlayStation, which came into the fray. I want to tell you this. It was a great documentary. I wanted to know a little bit more on the end about the Sony PlayStation, because if you read the book, The Console Wars... You get to find out a little bit more about their end of it and as far as the people that were involved on that end, but they didn't get a chance to go ahead and delve into too much of that. But outside of that, it's a truly outstanding documentary. There were things in it that weren't even mentioned in the book, at least in the beginning part of it, that I really enjoyed. So I'll tell you what, Console Wars documentary, it's one of the best documentaries of the year, and I truly enjoy it. How is your time so far spent on Console Wars? You know, it's been really great. My mom is in town this week visiting, and we sat down to watch that this morning, and we had to run out and run an errand. We came back, we sat down, and immediately both of us were like, you want to turn it back on? Let's go. And so we we did. We turned it back on. The way that they've done some of the animations has been amazing, specifically when they talk about Sega of Japan's Hayao Nakayama, when they're talking about the, the big boss in, in Japan, they've got this great animation style that's almost... Anime style. Yeah, it's 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 32-bit, like in Sega Genesis style almost. 
and it's it's wonderful to watch it's it's, it's a beautiful reminder of what we used to enjoy right and getting through about half the documentary right now i'm sad that it missed its south by southwest premiere for 2020 i wish i would have been there to be able to watch this in person this is outstanding and i'm, I'm kind of sad that i've only been able to get through about half of it so far absolutely and again i'll be interviewing blake j harris and jonah tullis of console wars the documentary here next week so hopefully i will have that for all you listeners on radio and also our podcast i will be having that hopefully next week for you on our show on friday i was just gonna say everybody needs to watch this you need to watch and see how sega really up into the marketplace when it came to marketing they really thought outside the box here and they pushed nintendo to their limits when it came to marketing pushing these early consoles Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I do highly recommend it. It's just such an outstanding documentary. I watched the previous month on Netflix, High Score, the docuseries, and that also had a very slick presentation to it, but it was very scattershot, and it really didn't give you the whole landscape of how the entire history of video games came to be, and I was very disappointed and let down by that documentary, no matter how good it looked. It it just was just scattershot in its presentation but i can tell you right now console wars with executive producers seth rogan and evan goldberg who again the boys and they're doing a whole bunch of other stuff and you know them from a lot of their other work that they've done sausage party and the whole nine yards they've done a great job working with blake j harris and jonah tullis cannot thank them enough for going ahead and and putting this out there and i will be speaking to both the directors of console wars here on next week's pcc multiverse so i'm looking forward to it and i highly highly recommend console wars it is one of the best movies of the year and it's so funny this leads me into my question with you because i've had a lot of great experiences this year with documentaries and docuseries currently watching the vow on hbo i've watched mcmillions on hbo i've watched class action park on hbo max Obviously, Tiger King has gotten raves as far as lots of people. I watching knew you were going to go there. Netflix. <laughs> I wasn't exactly in love with it. I thought there was better stuff out there, but I want to hear your thoughts. The documentary and the docu series in 2020 has gone to the forefront on popularity and what people are watching and how they're being promoted. Because I see HBO Max pushing Class Action Park. I spoke to Seth Porges, the director of Class Action Park, here on this show a couple of weeks ago. It had just reached the number one movie on HBO Max. So people are watching docuseries and documentary. And because back in the day with your dad, my dad, docuseries and documentaries were like watching Animals and National Geographic or something like that. It was just kind of there and not really interesting to the majority of the public out there. But in recent years... As my good friend Rob McCallum, who's a documentary filmmaker, will tell me time and time again, the documentary has evolved and changed into something much more popular. I will say that I think 2020 is the year of documentaries, and we're not done yet. We're going to see a lot more coming just based on what we're looking at politically, socially, all that other stuff. We're not going to get there today, but if you want to talk about it, we'll meet you at the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It seems like that's where we're covering a lot of that stuff right now. So I do want to say, though, I did watch a great documentary this this year. It's Have a Good Trip. It's on Netflix. I'm not promoting a psychedelic use. I'm not a psychedelic user, but I will say this is one of the better documentaries I've seen in a while. You've got Nick Offerman. You've got Sting. You've got ASAP Rocky. You've got Rosie Perez. You've got Reggie Watts. I mean, like, you've got big names tied into this documentary. 
It's outstanding, and it really does kind of give you a mix into the pros, the cons, and the science behind some of the psychedelics that people have used throughout time. So there you go. Even more suggestions, but it tells you the importance of documentaries and docuseries to the overall mix of pop culture here in 2020. There's plenty of documentaries out there that have really moved me throughout the years. I want to say it's Bottled is the one that really moved me a couple of years ago. It was on Amazon Prime there for a while, but it was about just bottled water. And it kind of took an in-depth look at Nestle and some of the other major bottled water players in the marketplace and talk about their tactics. Absolutely. And, you know, as my friend would say, please go ahead and give us a shout out. That would be Rob McCallum at obviously for Zero Cool Films and Rob McCallum Films and all that. So yes, Nintendo Quest is still one of my favorite documentaries that I've ever seen. Missing Mom has been great as well. I know he's got two that are coming down the pipeline very soon and Box Hearted and also as well Action Figure Adventure. So I will tell you this, the documentary and docuseries are really coming to the forefront here, especially with so many streaming services vying for content that they need content. And to see documentaries and docuseries really get a lot of pub is just an awesome thing to see. What are your thoughts out there on the Console Wars documentary that's now on CBS All Access? Did you love it like Marcus and I did? Or or do you really need to go ahead and check it out? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Because if you see Console Wars, the documentary on CBS All Access, you will be glad you did. Before we head to the half hour, my friend, I want to go ahead and hit you up. No Man's Sky, speaking of video games, because this yeah. first half hour is devoted to video games. I want to go ahead and close it off with No Man's Sky having a huge, as the guys behind No Man's Sky said, it's their huge yearly update. It's Origins update, which will be adding billions of planets and a lot of other features to it, including sandworms which was once uh, promised as far as presentation way back when, but it's now yeah. coming to light. I want to hear your thoughts on No Man's Sky, this huge update. Is it going to finally bring you into the game, or is it going to finally bring people back into the game? Because No Man's Sky, which was once deemed a, I don't want to say a failure, but a lot of broken promises when it initially came out from what the E3 presentation originally was, yeah, that was, now, that was heartbreaking. Let's just call it that. Yeah, absolutely. Heartbreaking indeed. It is now finally starting to be the adventure so many people were hoping for. Yeah, if you look at Hello Games, the studio behind No Man's Sky, Sean Murray came out this week and said, you know, this this is the year that we thought it was the time to revisit some of the foundations of the game. They started looking into the fauna in the game, the the animals, everything that that exists, and they wanted to start fulfilling their promise that they issued in 2018 at the debut of this game, I think. It's been a rough couple of years for them, but I think they've learned a lot in the over promise, under-delivered sentiment there in the sense of they really feel like they've matured as a studio. They're not ready to start talking about... Actually, it was 2016, not 2018. Yeah, I was going to say that. No, it's been, it's been at least three, four years, four my year, friend. Yeah. But yeah, they, they've done a lot to try and update this game throughout time, but I mean, the damage was done. On release day, that was a flop. The month after release day was still a flop there was no correction there by the studio itself they eventually started working on those updates that really started to get some of these features moving that they had premiered at the original trailers and a lot of the features they had premiered just in their interviews that they did in the lead up to the release of no man's sky so it's fun to see that they're starting to incorporate a lot of the things that were supposed to make them great right out the gate is it too little too late though and i i'll say that 
I don't want to go back and buy this game. I don't want to invest time in it. It feels too little too late for me. That's understandable. He did say as well that they're having as larger fan base now as that they've ever had when it comes to Nomad's Guys. So a lot of people are going back into it. If I get it at a reduced price, I'm really thinking about going back into No Man's Sky because I'm not going to be getting a PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X until there are a lot of games. But then again, that was our discussion last week that are exclusive to that console. So I I will have a lot of time on my hands for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So yeah, if I see something that I really like from No Man's Sky, I will be getting that if it comes at a reduced price. I know they've been holding the price up because of the fact that they keep putting content and fresh content and trying to keep it making fresh. But if the price does get reduced for this holidays, I could be picking up on the cheap. Well, and I would say that, you know, it's down to $30 at GameStop right now, new. So it it might be worth the purchase. I definitely know I wouldn't pay $60 for it. No, and I, I don't blame you, with. But if it starts going to 20 15 you never know. Might be time to 20, go. 20 I'm in. I'll there, tell you that right now. There you go. Well, it might be time at that price to check out what's going on with the latest with No Man's Sky. What are your thoughts out there on No Man's Sky? We want to hear your thoughts. Are you jumping back in or are you already in? Or are you not going back in to the universe of No Man's Sky? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. It's Gerald Glasser along with my good friend Marcus De La Garza of Castle Creative. Want to ask you this, my friend. Disney made some major changes again. As everybody's seeing here on Facebook Live, to their slate of upcoming films, which I know to a lot of people there was not unexpected, but still disheartening. I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on with all the Disney movie changes. I'm going to go ahead and give people a quick list. Death on the Nile from October to December of this year. The Empty Man is going to be moved actually up from December to October right now. Black Widow obviously is the big ticket here. That moved from November to may of next year eternals move from february of next year to november of next year shang chi and the legend of the ten rings previously was going to be coming out in may that's moving to july of next year deep water from 20th century fox which is owned by disney that's moving from a november date this year to an august date next year West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's reimagining of this great musical. That's been moved from December of this year to December of next year. And The King's Man, which I was kind of excited for. I wanted to go ahead and check that out. That's been moved all over the place. That had just been moved to February of next year, and that is actually being moved up two weeks to Valentine's Day weekend of next year. So you see all these strategic changes that were made by Disney with not only their properties, but the 20th Century Fox properties that they now own and that have already been in production, already been developed and whatnot. So I want to hear your thoughts. Obviously, the Marvel movies are the big ticket here. 
So I want to hear your thoughts on Disney making a whole bunch of changes to a whole bunch of films. I do want to say you're making a liar out of me, Gerald, because uh, last week I think I told everybody we were going to stop talking about some of the delays here. But I, I we're never say, going to stop talking about delays because it's going to keep on happening. It's going to keep on happening. It's going to keep on happening. And, and you know, we talked about it ad nauseum the last two weeks about how we've totally changed our release schedule moving forward for all forms of entertainment. I'm just glad to see that when they announced the pushback of the Black Widow movie and basically phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're at this point now that they've said we're not going to affect the timeline here in the MCU, right? We're still on timeline here to make sure that all the movies are going to come out in the order they need to be so that none of this is out of order. None of this makes no sense. It's all going to carry on. But I am a little bit shocked that, you know, we've been talking about this for two weeks now about how the perspective pushback was going to happen. I've got a note here that just says, why haven't we done this sooner? Right. This is our third week of discussion. I just wish we would have made up our minds sooner and would have announced something sooner. You know that this has been ping ponging around in emails of all the executives for the last few weeks, trying to decide whether or not they were going to do this or not. I think we need to start taking some very definitive steps and start looking at how we need to be pushing back timelines on a lot of our favorite shows, favorite movies, favorite franchises, period. With Disney and with all these movie companies, I'm just going to tell you right now, they're gauging everything that's out there. Tenet is like the poster child for this. I mean, oh, we put it out there. Let's see what happens. And it'll be lucky to garner over $400 million worldwide. And this was a movie that really had seven, eight hundred, one billion billion, $1 written all over it. Mulan, Mulan has been pretty much a box office failure, especially in China where it was supposed to get huge money, and it's not even coming close. And we don't know how effective it was on Disney+. Plus. My guess is the Disney Plus hybrid model wasn't as effective as it was hopefully going to be for Disney because Black Widow would have been announced on Disney+, Plus, being put on there, had that been the case. So Mm -hmm. seeing that now, like you said, it's going to be a a constant pushback, 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 because as long as audiences are not going back to the theaters... These major tentpole movies are going to be pushed back until people decide that they want to go back to movies, and we're going to continue to see that going forward. Well, and I I will push back on you just a little bit there and say that Tenet was supposed to be an IMAX feature, right? You were going to drive higher ticket sales and, and everything, just hype, period, by having that movie released nationwide on IMAX screens. And while they did do that to a certain extent, it's it's not possible to get all the viewership that they wanted. And that might have been a big miss. I think Christopher Nolan might have made the wrong call there in trying to push the studio execs to get this movie out. He's going to lose a little bit of power because of it, but still, he creates such magical movies. I don't think it'll hurt him too much in the long run because Tenet has garnered somewhat favorable reviews. And I'm still very excited to see it, but I'm very excited to see it in my home. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I'm not going to go out at this point in time in in the middle of the theater. And a lot of people are like me, and they're not going back to theaters. And here, at least in North America, many major spots around the world, people are not going back to theaters. So that is weighing on the decision of all these movers and shakers in the movie industry on delaying their projects and also saying yes to any big budget projects going forward because it's really coming down to an issue with whether or not you want to spend two, $300 million on production on something that may not be able to come close to it on getting back on a return. 
Well, and these movie studios need to start projecting for when we're post-COVID, right? I think that there's going to be a coming market where you've got to start projecting whether or not we're going to have a vaccine by mid-2021. And if we do, do you start pushing a lot of your major releases out for October, November, December of 2021? And if so, how can you capitalize on that while your competitors are sitting around waiting to figure out how they can push their own movies and TV shows out? Absolutely. I honestly think that if Disney Plus can get ahead of the game and start projecting when they think we will start to see the return to theaters, the return to normal entertainment scheduling, if they could push the envelope here and make us get to that point, they'd be making tons of money. They'd be making everything back that they probably lost. I don't know about that, my friend, because they've lost a whole ton of money. Right, this yeah, year. yeah, I'll take I'll take that back. They, they they've lost billions of dollars. Yeah, now. yeah, to say the least. Every major movie studio has, uh, at the very least, billions and billions of dollars has, has been lost. This has been the worst year for movies ever, as far as just from a standpoint of, of people not going to the movies, probably in the history of film. But as far as losing money, I'm I'm sure just as far as revenue is concerned, you probably had the least amount in maybe 20, 30 years at the very least. And I'm just telling you right now, we're going to feel the effects of this in the movie industry for a long time to come because these movie companies don't continuously have this run of cash to go ahead and fork over for projects so that their choices now will be limited going forward, even though demand, the absolute demand because of all the streaming outlets are, are there it's still not enough to offset the kind of money you lost by people not going to the theaters. Yes. I think you said it best there and I'm going to leave it there. It's, it's just, we, we are in a totally new world and that's, that's all it is where we've got to wait and see. I think the businessman that exists somewhere inside of my head is thinking, can we be the first one out there? Can we be the NASCAR of the professional sports world in COVID? Right? Like they, they pushed the envelope. They got out there before anybody else. So who's going to be that first studio that says we're going to get out there before anybody else maybe releases two films that are smash hits? I don't know. I mean, Warner Brothers was kind of grooming itself to be that with Tenet, and they were going to put out Wonder Woman, but they decided to delay Wonder Woman. So they got a little gun shy as well. So we're going to be seeing that probably for the foreseeable future. Right, right. What are your thoughts out there on Disney making a whole bunch of changes on release dates to a whole bunch of films? Share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com speaking of disney marvel and disney plus after josh and i went on the air on sunday to tape the pop culture cosmos wouldn't you know at the emmys they showed off their wandavision trailer which for a series i think this will be the only marvel series unfortunately falcon and the winter soldier probably will not be coming this year as of what is being hinted at Maybe, maybe not. It's it's looking more maybe not. So WandaVision looks like the only show that's guaranteed on the Marvel slate that's going to be coming out this year. And we did get to see a trailer of it on Sunday. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on the WandaVision trailer. Is it something that interests you? I mean, it really goes back to a lot of the theories behind the House of M series that came out for the comic books. I think there's a really good influence on that. In fact, it's on one of the wine bottles that you see in the middle of there. A lot of these uh, entities out there have already slowed and freeze-framed to show you that, ah, look, it's from the House M. All right, there's a little Easter egg in there for you. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, especially as it equates to the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because it looks like with Wanda, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch, heading to be a major part of Doctor Strange 2, this definitely looks like it's going to be something that sets that up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually very excited that they're pushing forward on WandaVision. We talked about it briefly last week. When the trailer came out this week, I immediately turned it on and we actually watched as a, as a family in the household here. All of us were very excited by the trailer itself. And it was one of those things that none of us were really that attuned to what WandaVision should be. We didn't know what we should be expecting, anything like that. And just simply playing the trailer, my mom was on board. She said, I'm, I'm down to watch this. You got to let me know when it comes out. And then my wife was thrilled. So I'm looking forward to this. The fact that you've got people out there that are slowing down this trailer to find the Easter eggs is mind-blowing. It's beautiful, right? Well, it Directing, shows you the kind everything. of demand there is for Marvel products right now. Yeah, I mean, people are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and, and big screen right now. And this will be the first year that we don't have a Marvel movie since 2009, so... It hurts, man. It hurts a lot, indeed. WandaVision, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there as far as for what could be dictating a lot as far as the ethereal plane type deal. want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on what WandaVision will do for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because there's going to be – it looks like it's branching off into the – almost like a ground-based, space-based sort of deal as far as the ground base where you're going to deal with like Shang-Chi, Falcon and the Winter Soldier – those seem to be relating to each other. And then you have something as far as you're seeing with the Eternals and Doctor Strange 2 and WandaVision that's going to deal with a lot of things on a different sort of plane. And eventually the Avengers, when those movies come out again, are going to bring everything back together. So it's interesting how they're going to be able to weave this all in to work itself out like that. So I'm very curious to see. But I want to hear everyone's thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Did you enjoy the WandaVision trailer? And does it get you excited for what you're going to see on Disney Plus in December? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we head on out, we got to talk some pro wrestling. Because as my daughter would say, John Cena is doing a lot of work outside of the pro wrestling ring. He was announced a couple weeks ago being part of a show that I thought, and I was talking to Jessica Boggs of the TVRatingsGuide.com on this last month. Like, wouldn't it be great with uh, Holy Moly and, and all this other success of similar type shows, American Ninja, where you know people just want to see these guys and gals just hitting into the water, just do some kind of funky little, you know, ah, as they splash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be great if they brought back Wipeout? And sure enough, they did. John Cena has been announced being part of a revival. I think it's coming to TBS on Wipeout. But the big deal with John Cena came out this week as his character in the upcoming Suicide Squad movie. Well, it's actually going to be uh, two years down the line. I know they're filming it now, but it's going to be a while before it comes out. Suicide Squad, his character, Peacemaker, John Cena called Peacemaker, if Captain America was a douchebag. Yes. I think this was his quote. Yes. Peacemaker is going to get his own series on HBO Max, which you should check out. Just for the fact that you want to see how crazy can John Cena be on television in this role because you get an idea of what it might be like in Suicide Squad. So he is coming up with a limited series run on HBO Max, which I'm looking forward to, which is being headed up by James Gunn, who is directing Suicide Squad. So I'm looking forward to it. But again, it's this situation where you have a very successful pro wrestling star that is eyeing a future outside the ring. And obviously he's done some great things And some not-so-great things outside of the wrestling ring in movies and television in recent years. 
And that was the goal, obviously, to emulate what The Rock has done and to get anywhere near the level of success. And he's approaching it. He hasn't gotten quite there yet. Obviously, when you can't head off your own two, three hundred million dollar production movies like The Rock can, I mean, that's the point where you want to get. But he's not doing so bad right now. And Peacemaker is a good way, I think, to go ahead and initiate him even more to a worldwide audience. I will go ahead and say this publicly. If anybody has a connect to John Cena and they can get me to just hang out with him for an hour, I would love to do that. I just want to poke the man's brain for an hour and figure out how he works. This dude is really, and you said it best there, Gerald, it feels like he's setting himself up to kind of be the next rock. He doesn't have the $400 million or $300 million to command or produce his own movie right now, but 16-time champ is going to do it, man. Uh, I would say in the next five or six years, John Cena is going to become a movie TV staple just like The Rock is currently. This dude is about to play the, the most rude badass he's ever played, I think, in the world. Yeah, he's, um, he's very foul-mouthed from what I'm hearing. Yeah, and I, I'm so excited to see that. That's something we've never seen from him, and I think that's a, a side of him that he needs to explore if he wants to be a great actor. Absolutely, but I'm excited to see. And if it becomes a hit on HBO Max, I'm sure more is in the offering for Peacemaker going forward. Can we just talk about HBO Max is silently stacking their catalog right now? It is, it is. I mean, like I've told you before, I had Seth Porges, who was recently on the show, who has the number one movie on there with Class Action Park, which, like we said, is just a major part of their advertising. So it's great to see. But they're actually lining everything up. I mean, obviously, with the DC Universe now trying to become more into the fold and all that they're doing as far as the shows that they're lining up and things of that nature. Whenever they get the Friends reunion going, that probably be a big hit for them. But yes, HBO yep. Max is certainly making a mark. I know people kind of balked at their $15 price point. I believe if you check out right now on internet advertising, they're still reducing that to eleven ninety nine a month right now for a limited time. So people want to buy into that, go ahead for a year for eleven ninety nine. But they are becoming a major player in the streaming industry. And for us as fans, it's great to see because there's a choice. We don't want just to go ahead to Netflix or Disney Plus. There's a major choice. And that's something I've talked about with Apple Plus and Quibi, which have limited offerings that when you see all the stuff that HBO Max or Peacock uh, it's interesting to see what they have to offer, and hopefully a lot of people will be giving HBO Max a try going forward. What are your thoughts out there on John Cena with his revival of Wipeout that he's going to be a part of, and also Peacemaker, the character he's going to be playing in an upcoming limited series, and also Suicide Squad. Unconnected sequel? <laughs> yeah, the unconnected sequel of Suicide Squad, which some previous characters and Add, a lot of added new ones indeed but what are your yes. thoughts out there on john cena being added on to Wipeout, and of course peacemaker coming to hbo max share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com and speaking of pro wrestling i want to go ahead and pay my respects to one member of one of the greatest tag teams in fact if you look on popculturecosmos.com I made an article a few years back on what I thought was the best manager, best women's wrestler, best male wrestler, and best tag team in professional wrestling at that point in time. And I listed the Road Warriors as the most influential and probably the biggest tag team to ever hit the pro wrestling scene. And unfortunately, this week we had the death of Road Warrior Animal, did pass away at the age of 60. So our thoughts to the Laurenitis family as far as our prayers and our thoughts and condolences to them. Road War Animal, again, his mark in pro wrestling history can never be understated. 
I just want to say rest in peace, Animal. Uh, he's joining his, his tag team partner for life somewhere else. They did provide us with a lot of entertainment, a lot of great matches. So, yeah, if you know out there, if you have any thoughts on Road War Animals passing, we'd love to hear them. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Go ahead, my friend. I was just going to say, I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Nat, that really keyed in on the wrestling stuff today. I actually reached out to her, hit her up, and, and, and let her know, you know, hey, do you have any thoughts you'd like to share? And she did. And she just said that sucks that he died young. How much did you get the chance to see the Road Warriors when you were a kid? You know, I watched a lot of WCW as a kid, some ECW as well. These are guys that really shaped the sport and, and made it to what it is today and have allowed us to appreciate what these guys can do athletically, even if it is just entertainment. Yeah, even if it's just entertainment and it's uh, winners and losers are decided upon and it's coordinated, whatever you want to say. I mean, all of the things that people say about it are there. Still, he was a great performer and, like I said, part Absolutely. of one of the greatest tag teams, if not the greatest tag team of all time. I think everybody would go ahead and not dispute that as far as being one of the greatest. Now, I thought they were the greatest Road Warriors. They were not my favorite tag team. I just thought they made such a mark in the industry. And you can read my thoughts at popculturecosmos.com on the Road Warriors and just see what my thoughts are on the legacy of Hawk and Animal. And uh, once again, last time, all respects and condolences to the Laurenitis family and Road Warrior Animal. Rest in peace. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, I want to hear your quick thoughts on the Emmys before we go ahead on some memories because I'm getting kind of hungry. We'll talk about a certain restaurant chain here in a sec, but the Emmys this past weekend, I want to hear your quick thoughts. Watchmen took a lot of awards and deservedly so, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. A lot of other things that happened there. Were there anything as far as S-C-H-I-T-T, apostrophe S, Schitt's Creek, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying the bad word. I'm saying it with a C. Yep. Took home a lot of awards this past weekend. Secession took some awards for HBO. So I want to hear your thoughts on Emmys as far as, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the show. I'm not a big fan. I know. See, see you can get away. You can get away with it, though. You can get away with it, though, because I said S-C-H-I-T-T, Osterbs, Creek. Oh, no, I was more laughing at the at the fact that you're not a big fan of it because I don't know a lot of people that are huge fans of this show. I, I don't know how they won so big. I don't know how they won so I mean, I know it was their last season. I know Netflix, they do a lot of their shows go there. I know they had they were on TV land for the while and they're being alternated on, I think, on uh, it was it Hulu or somewhere else where they're going to have a destination yep. on another network. But I want to hear your thoughts, man, on the show because I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not saying it's bad or anything like that. I'm, I'm just saying I just couldn't really get into it. I just don't find it as amusing as other people do. And maybe that's my fault. I'm not sure about that, man. Succession is the same way for me, right? Same uh, here, I too. Like I got. I tried watching a few episodes. F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. You know what? Okay. I get it. I just couldn't deal with it, man. It's just, is it? Let me ask you this question. Is I wasn't it more trying a, to be a prude. Well, I just wasn't, I wasn't trying to be a prude. I just like, it's just, it just, 
hits you over the head with it so many times it loses its effectiveness and you really just the story is about control and power and and who's yep. the old man going to give it to and and you just you lose that in this, this sea of f-bombs and it just it, i lost interest did you feel like both of those shows were like a story about the 0.001 percent of people that like have enough money to make this happen i think that's why i lost interest right when you're dealing with people at the level of the character in succession where they're managing a gigantic empire of of wealth if you look at schitt's creek with sch not <laughs> kind of the same storyline you've got a family that was super wealthy that lost all their wealth and now they're trying to relate to the normal person and they live out in the middle of nowhere in some town that they basically own right it just didn't do it for me there is something weird about it and i understand you know we're supposed to laugh at them trying to relate to the normal person but it just it felt like a, a miss for me and uh, at this point, I'm starting to realize maybe I should go back. I've undervalued the production quality. Maybe maybe I've undervalued the writing. I'll give it one more shot, and I'll let you know. But I didn't appreciate Shit's Creek. I didn't appreciate Succession, and I was kind of mind-blown that they won so many at the Emmys. Same here. But with Watchmen, I'm not surprised because that was a brilliant, no, not at all. That was yeah. a brilliant series. I mean, for me, there were several other series which were better than either of those two series. I mean, The Boys last year in their first season was just truly awesome. It was the number one TV show for me last year, and I cannot believe it got totally shut out. Anthony Starr's Homelander was mesmerizing. I mean, his performance was just truly Mm -hmm. incredible. And I mean, there's so many others shows out there that I think can perform as well or or better than what was winning most of these awards outside of The Watchmen. The Mandalorian, I know we talked about that, some highs and lows, but pretty good highs, but there was a low in Tatooine, but that still got a lot of technical awards, and obviously that deserves it because, like you said, they put a lot of money into it at Disney+. Plus. But overall, I thought the the awards were okay. I just, like I said, I wanted to see something more. I mean, I'm beginning to think some of the things that are hitting with the Emmys are just not hitting with me. I think that's acceptable, though. I mean, like, the people that make a lot of these TV shows are appreciative of a different genre of TV show, movie, anything like that. I don't think that's a terrible thing, but you also need to make shows that relate to the average viewer. And I, I think Shit's Creek and Succession both missed on that for me, but it obviously didn't because it hit a home with a whole bunch of people. Well, there you go. What are your thoughts on the Emmys? Are you glad S-C-H-I-T-T apostrophe S Creek won and <laughs> Succession won? And Watchmen won and a whole bunch of other shows that were winners. Zendaya's performance was outstanding. So I give props to Zendaya. She did an awesome job. She deserves it. But what are your thoughts out there on the Emmys? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, it's been a great show, my friend. I cannot thank you enough for being a part of it. As always, I want to go ahead and just tell you right now, again, we'd love to have you as far as a a permanent fixture right here at the PopCultureCosmos. So I'm looking forward to what you can do with us going forward. But one last thing before we head on out, because I'm getting kind of hungry, and that is the unfortunate news I heard. I know most of you out there may have not been to it, but you may have heard it over the past 30 or so, 40 or so years. The Sizzler restaurant chain, which right now mainly is on the West Coast here in the United States, filed for Chapter 13 bankruptcy. A very sad time indeed for fans of the Sizzler, like me. I've introduced my family to Sizzler. I want to hear your thoughts, man. You said you said you uh, have some memories on the scissor before I go off and tell everybody my old stories on the scissor as well. Actually, from my mom and my dad. And it's been an interesting week. My dad actually passed away two years ago, Tuesday this week. 
And so it was fun to kind of have that moment with my mom and say, you know, what do you know about Sizzlers? And have her say, you know, when, when your dad and I trained in Temple, Texas at the VA there, we used to go eat at Sizzlers. And the way she talked about it, she kind of laughed about it. And, you know, it was a good time then. I don't know if she would still <laughs> want to go back now, but it meant something to her. So it does mean something to me. I've never been. I would love to go try one, but it sounds like that's not going to be possible pretty soon. Well, I didn't say they're going to shut down for good, but closing restaurants may be a possibility. So it's yeah. going to be harder and harder to find them. I will say that I have great memories of being the steak and all you can eat shrimp. And then they have the big salad bar that you can go ahead and get a whole bunch of things at. I mean, so they, can you ahead. explain the process to me? Like you would order your steak out the gate and then you'd go get the rest of your stuff. And by the time you reach the end of the line, your steak would be ready. No, no, uh, not to okay. They would serve it to you. They would bring it okay, to okay. you already okay. ready and with the either type of potatoes, vegetables, what have you. But you'd also have the choice of adding on or buying separately a big, huge salad bar. And they would have it right sticking there right in the middle of the restaurant. And okay. you would go ahead. It's just like over 150, 200 items. It's not like a, a thing that was done halfway. This was a full-out salad bar monstrosity with a whole bunch of extra added things, which are not entirely healthy as well. Plus, they had a dessert bar and things of that nature. And... I mean, they had great gimmicks like, again, all-you-can-eat shrimp with steak. But they had the little signs on it, little tags that they would put on it. Like, like right on the steak, they would put a little, almost like a toothpick thing, but it would say rare, medium rare, well done. We put it right on it. So it would let you know yep. exactly the way they cooked it and the way you wanted it. And then, yeah, it was just a great time going there for the different deals that they would have every now and then. And I remember me and my friends would go with my dad and we went to, went to one and just had this, let's see how many shrimp we could eat in one sitting. We just like, you know, have this big old mound of shrimp tails and things of that nature stacked high to the gills. So if Sizzler does meet its demise, it's a part of nostalgia. Once again, that's going to be gone from our lives. I mean, if you want to check out the Sizzler commercials, because they tried to do a lot of things differently with their commercials Check it out on YouTube, especially from the 80s. I highly recommend it for entertainment value, for pop culture, to understand late 80s, early 90s pop culture. But yeah, if you want to get a chance, check out The Sizzler while you still can. You might just be glad you did. Hey, do you think we could get somebody to fly us out there to just give me the experience of Sizzler? Because if somebody wants to do that, I'm, I'm around. Hey, I'm all set to go back and try another steak and all-you-can-eat shrimp with a salad bar. And stuff myself to the gills with Sizzler. So there you go. There you go. What are your thoughts out there on Sizzler possibly meeting its demise, filing for Chapter 13 bankruptcy this week and being now basically on life support? Share us your thoughts and memories of Sizzler at PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, it's been great having you on board. Once again, I've got interviews next week with Jeff Perlman. He has got the number one basketball biography, Three Ring Circus, based off the 3P and the years of the early 2000s with the Los Angeles Lakers, the Kobe, Shaq, Phil years. So I'm going to be having an interview with him coming up very soon, and that's going to be hopefully be, if it's, everything works out, on the Monday show. And on the Friday show, a week from now, my friend, again, I'm going to be having on the great directors of Console Wars, which is now available on CBS All Access. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Give a big shout out to Blake J. Harris and Jonah Tullis for actually wanting to come on the program. So I'm definitely looking forward to that next week. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, just uh, make sure you reach out to me on Twitter. K-A-S-T-L-E-F-P-V. That's Castle F-P-V. 
I'm down to talk about anything pop culture. Let's go. There you go. I'm, I'm here. There you go. Castle FPV on Twitter. Yep. There you go. Castle FPV on Twitter. He's the man behind Castle Creative. And Marcus De La Garza cannot thank you enough for stopping by right here on the PCC Multiverse. Well, for Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. And we're here on the station surviving the coronavirus. Since you guys are probably quarantined there down on Earth, we'll let you know uh, we got DC news, comics, television shows we're going to be talking about every week. Come join us every week on the Earth Station DCU podcast here on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.